Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sprint to Profit for Amazon Sellers podcast. It's Kirsty Isaac here again from Real Coaching to help you get some invaluable insights about how to succeed long-term on Amazon by creating a cash-generating business that puts money back into your pocket instead of flying out the window. And this week, we're going to be speaking with Cynthia Stein from eGrowth Partners about some of the things Amazon sellers need to be prepared for when it comes to staying in compliance with Amazon's terms of service and what actions you may need to take if you are ever in a situation where you need to appeal to Amazon to get your account or listings back up and running after deactivation. That's right. So Cynthia has been helping Amazon sellers with policy violations and compliance issues for almost a decade now. So that's uh, it's longer than what I've actually been selling on Amazon as well. So definitely a veteran. <laughs> Um, Amazon she's also years, the, that's 100 years, yeah. It's 100 years, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> she's also the author of the book, Suspension Prevention. Awesome title. I love that. Suspension Pre Prevention, Get Reinstated and Protect Your Amazon Seller Account, which has actually won multiple awards as well. She's a regular speaker at live events and conferences. And she's also has a brand new book titled The Dirty Seller. Oh, sorry, Dirty Seller Tricks, not The Dirty Seller. That would have been funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> dirty seller tricks awesome and we're actually going to give you a special a way to get to get all of that with a special discount later on as well so make sure that you stick around and then listen for that but before we jump into all the stuff you know that amazon sellers need to know uh we'd like to hear a little bit more about you your journey how you even got into this you know crazy amazon world and what led you to starting e-growth partners as well Okay, well, thank you, and, and thanks for inviting me to join your podcast. I, uh, I've listened, and I find it very compelling because you guys talk about things that sellers really need to know. And I will tell you, my background coming to this, uh, I started selling on the platform in 2010, and at the time, I was what you would call a lifestyle seller. Um, I was doing retail arbitrage, and I even put out my first book, which was Make Thousands on Amazon in 10 Hours a Week talking about how I was doing it, right? Just thinking enough to, you know, uh, pay some bills and things like that. But that was my introduction to Amazon. And I came to it uh, from a, a business consulting background, but I really wanted a business. Um, I wanted to sell stuff that people paid me in advance for. I had, you know, a bad feeling, bad taste in my mouth from the previous recession. <laughs> so, um, and I wanted to do something different. And I needed something at the time that I could do in just a few hours a week. I was doing I was doing it about 10 to 12 hours a week because we had just adopted a, our special needs son and he needed a lot of my time and attention. And so I had to work, you know, when he was sleeping or when my husband could be with him and I could go to a store or whatever. And I did retail arbitrage for like the first couple of years before I transitioned to wholesale. And um, I no longer sell my first book actively because I no longer support the retail arbitrage model. I think it's not a good idea. But at the time, it did what it needed to for me, which gave me enough money to help support some of um, you know, the costs for our son's medical needs and uh, educational needs. And, and it was fantastic. And I started with $200, and I turned it into $40,000 in the first year. And so I, and I never looked back, right? I was like, this thing is amazing. 
Um, and so, like I said, I shifted to wholesale and I did wholesale. And then on the side, I would do some consulting because that's my background. I'm a business consultant. And um, I would help people get started, get them set up. I would take them, if they were doing arbitrage, I would take them shopping and show them how it works. And, you know, and my first book was a business in a box. And I talked about a lot of the topics that you talk about, is which is how to set it up properly as a business from day one. And I did that because, of course, I've owned multiple businesses in my past. And so I would never go into a venture unincorporated or, you know, I mean, I knew exactly what to do. And, um, and so that was kind of how I got started. And then what happened was my clients um, would come to me and they would say, I'm suspended. You know how to, re- you know, get someone reinstated. And I will tell you back in 2014, this was a thing of shame, right? If you were suspended by Amazon, you were obviously a bad and evil person. And, um, and, and, you know, people were ashamed to even say that it happened to them. Right. And they, and, and most of them were totally bewildered. Why had this happened to them? Right. So I helped my clients and I, I got some experience in 2014 and early 2015. And I thought, you know, I'll just let people know that I do this and that they shouldn't be ashamed. And so I put out a blog post and I said, Hey, you know, I, I do, I can help you get reinstated. You know, let me know if you're interested. You know, it was like really low key. And, uh, you know, the doors blew off. And I went from just me and my assistant to almost 30 people by the end of 2015. And, I mean, I was building my business. It was like running down a brick road and throwing the bricks in front of you. I mean, it was insane. And um, also in that summer, uh, in the evening, I wrote between the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. I was writing the book Suspension Prevention because so many people just had no clue what had happened to them. Because what Amazon decided to do in the spring of 2015 was they decided to enforce uh, a lot of their policies that they had never enforced before. So people who had been selling for five and 10 years on the platform with no trouble whatsoever were suddenly being suspended for things like you sold as new or, you know, just ridiculous things and they didn't know what it meant you know they say well what does that mean everything i sell is new right my products are not expired or or whatever it was and so that's what the book was for was to help educate people um as to what was really going on and to hopefully get some of them to avoid being suspended by seeing the problems in their accounts before they were suspended anyway that's kind of what the the genesis of the company was meeting an unexpected need as fast as we could. And as time has gone on since 2015, um, you know, we've broadened our services. Um, you know, we, we offer account management services. We offer, you know, PPC advertising and growth services. That's why we're called e-growth partners, um, because I like to focus on the positive side of what we do. Um, and I, I always told my team, you know, compliance is the foundation of growth. If you're compliant, you can grow. And you can grow without like losing sleep at night, or at least not as much sleep. So um, <laughs> there are still things that Amazon spits out that that catch up, you know, perfectly good, honest, you know, smart sellers on the platform. And I think that was probably one of the things that uh, was a big focus for us in 2015, and that we've successfully done is that we removed the shame stigma from being suspended, and um, and we helped sellers understand, you know, this is something that Amazon is looking for. They want you to fix it. 
but it doesn't mean you're a bad person. And, you know, most of the time it was honestly because they weren't aware of the rules or how they applied or, you know, a lot of times these were what I call mistakes made in ignorance. And so we can help them. They can fix the problem and they can go live mostly happily ever after. Right. Um, and they could, you know, build their business because now they had cleaned up whatever problem they might've had in their account that, that would have just kept getting them suspended over and over again. And so that went on for a few years, you know, happily. And, and then about two and a half, three, two and a half, three years ago, we began to see a real uptick of what I call bad actor behavior. So this was different from sellers who just made mistakes and were like, oh my God, help me. Um, now they were under attack by other sellers. And so uh, again, they hadn't done anything wrong, but Amazon thought they had because the dirty sellers were, were clever. And you know, their goal was to get this, my client suspended. And, uh, you know, and funnily enough, I mean, in the beginning, people used to come to me all the time. They'd say, oh, I think this is a competitor there that did this to me. And we would do an assessment of their account. We'd be like, sorry, man, it's you. Um, let me show you what Amazon's looking at and why they think, you know, you're selling used products or whatever. And they were like, oh, you know, it's kind of a bummer, right? They wanted to be able to blame the other guy. But actually, the reality of when it is the other guy is so much worse. Because it is much harder to go to Amazon and say it's the other guy because they won't necessarily believe you. Um, and it's really hard to show Amazon how the other guy did it, right? So you have to deal with, and what we usually do when we get someone who's under attack is we first have to get them reinstated by hook or by crook, right? Then we can try to deal with the bad behavior. And, and getting Amazon to see that it was a bad actor and that, you know, uh, they need to look into it. And so it's, it's really only recently, I would say within the last year or so, that Amazon has really basically understood and agreed that there are bad actors at play and that sometimes it really isn't your fault. And so it's a little easier now to talk to Amazon about it, but... Um, it doesn't make the damage any less devastating, which is why I'm writing. It's not quite done yet. <laughs> I'm hoping I'll be out by the end of April, but um, that's why I'm writing Dirty Seller Tricks because I want sellers, just like with suspension prevention, I want them to understand what's happening. And so when they see it um, in their account, they recognize it. Um, they can maybe detect it a little earlier, maybe start dealing with it earlier, um, and in, in some cases, there are things they can do to protect themselves, but not in every case. Um, sometimes you just have to deal with the with it afterwards. And I hate to say that to people, but that's kind of how it works. But but at least if you know, you know what to look for. Like you know, Amazon may be sending you warnings, and you're ignoring them or not taking them seriously because you're like, oh, but I know I'm not doing that, right? Amazon says, oh, you can relist, you know, after you fix this or, or after you look at it and you just relist and you don't really look at what is going on and why Amazon thinks that there's a problem. And, uh, and so you may miss the signs, the early signs of a bad actor at work on your account. And so my business today, as compared to 2015, when we were mostly dealing with performance issues and product quality issues, 
we are almost all policy violations now, you know, and everything from review manipulation to uh, ver- verification to um, just all kinds of things. And there's so many ways that the bad actors have to go after you. Um, so <laughs> it's really um, a challenge to keep up with. And um, uh, and they do all kinds of horrible things. And so that's uh, that's the thing. You know, on Amazon, if you listen to them, you know, they, they'll say, oh, well, it's only a small percentage of our of our sellers. And they kind of leave out a really important part, which is, it, the, the, the sellers that are doing this are sellers that are generally selling in the top five positions on any category. And so when you as a buyer go out to buy something, you have to be careful because those players may not be honest and, um, and they may be selling you complete garbage, dangerous garbage perhaps. And as a seller, you have to understand if you're actually successful and you're selling like the number one shoe tree or the best fire, you know, gas fireplace logs, I mean, really niche stuff, right? If you're number one in your category, there's a target on your back and somebody is going to want what you have and they know how to go get it. And so that's why, you know, because people think, oh, well, I, you know, I'm not selling hot toys or, you know, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not selling an Instapot, so I don't have to really worry. And um, that's not true. You, if you're actually doing well in your category, uh, you you have to know that you're a potential target, and you have to really think about it. Um, and so, when Amazon says, "Oh, only X percent of the reviews on the platform are bad," right? Most of them are legit, and it's a small problem. That is not true. Just go and try buy something on Amazon today, and see if they're, um, you know, just see what you see. Because I. I do this for a living, right? I find fake reviews for a living. And I am telling you, it is really difficult for me to shop on Amazon. I'm usually having to go into page four or five to start finding honest sellers. And because I refuse to buy from a cheater. And um, and so anyway, that's just me. But that, that should be, you know, that should tell you how bad the problem is. And so all of these sellers with weird names and, and I, you know, I'm not saying it's just the Chinese. I'm just saying they're really good at it and they taught each other. Um, but there's plenty of Ukrainians. There's there's plenty of, you know, other ethnic uh, groups that have taught each other how to do this and that do this. Um, the Indians, the Pakistanis, um, I see a lot of them at play. And, you know, the, what they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, I've got, you know, I have 30 or 40 Amazon accounts, so I don't care if Amazon takes one down. And so when you're dealing with someone else who has nothing to lose, why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why wouldn't they just do whatever they want? Because, oh, that account's gone? Well, my other account over here is doing just fine. And so I'll just shift to that. Um, so this is a new reality that sellers have to deal with. So not only do they have to make sure that they have their ducks in a row and that they're as clean as clean to be with Amazon, um, but now they have to watch out for their fellow sellers in a way they never had to before. I mean, of course, we always compete, right? But that's that's competing for marketing and advertising and packaging. That is not, um, you know, having to deal with someone who is intentionally trying to ruin you. And they're using the Amazon platform, the Amazon algorithm, and the Amazon processes to do it. So that's the, the topic 
of my book, and I hope that you guys find it interesting. Um, when it comes out, I'm still finishing it, but um, it's just a lot that happens in that world. But I also wanted to talk a little bit today about getting started because um, there's a lot of issues that sellers are having right now with verification. And it's not just affecting the brand new sellers who are coming to the platform, but established sellers are also being asked to be verified. And this is new policy with Amazon. We knew it was coming. Um, this is one of the few policies that started in Europe and came to the U.S. versus, you know, most things kind of go from the U.S. and six months later you hit them in Europe. Um, this is one where they initially started verification back in 2015, where, by the way, it used to take six months or more to get verified back then. Um, it was a nightmare. <laughs> and um, and now they've refined it. It's a little, it's easier. Usually you can get verified in a few days. Um, but people are failing. And the reason they're failing is they don't understand what Amazon is looking for. Um, they're not careful with their documentation. Or, and this is the number one reason, they have a very complex setup. So, you know, um, who actually owns the account is somebody who doesn't want Amazon to know they own the account and or things like that. There's just there's complications. I have um, investor groups that own a bunch of accounts and they always come to me the same way. Like, do I have to tell Amazon that, you know, my investment group is the ultimate owner? And I'm like, yes. And so you have to understand what verification is. It is Amazon's way of preventing money laundering. It is their way of being able to identify an actual person uh, that owns that business. And so if you're trying to hide who you are, you've got a problem and I can't fix it for you. So I just want to get that word out right now. But then there's plenty of people who honestly make mistakes. They just don't know what they're doing. And, and so, uh, or they have an interesting outside of the box situation. Um, like I had a woman who she gets electricity through a farm co-op, right? It's not the same as a sort of a traditional, um, electric bill that you might get. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so she, and her water was from a well, so she didn't have a water bill. Her electric bill was hard to explain. Um, and you know, so she, she's an honest, legitimate person living on this farm, <laughs> but it was really tough to get her verified because again, she was a little outside the box. So we have those cases where, you know, we help Amazon understand. And then there's some countries like, I have clients like from the Netherlands where apparently many of the um, like rentals, if it's an apartment or a house or whatever, include the utilities. So this is very common and they don't have a utility bill. And so they're like, well, what do I do? Or they give something Amazon something that they don't really, aren't really asking for. Or they, um, even worse, they make something up. They borrow someone else's electric bill and, and try to forge it. And that is the worst thing you can possibly do. Um, and so, anyway, there are these things that come up. And we know how to navigate them because we've done so many of these. And, by the way, if you're in the Netherlands, if you provide a copy of your lease that shows that the utilities are included, that is accepted by Amazon. But a lot of this stuff we had to learn through trial and error. Uh, if you go out now and look up verification on the various platforms, Amazon gives you a fair amount of detail today. I promise you, a couple of years ago, there was zip there. And they didn't tell you things like everything has to be in color. 
It has to be high resolution. You can't write anything on it. So I had people who were like, you know, uh, maybe they had a utility bill and it said, you know, had a page stamp on top and put the date on it. You know, that was their process, right? Normal business process. Can't do that. Um, for a long time, Amazon would not allow you to download a utility bill from the internet, which was tough because many people were signed up for paperless. Um, now that has changed um, over time, but for a while that was a nightmare because we would literally, they'd have to call their utility bill and they'd be like, please mail me a bill. <laughs> they'd have to wait to get it. And so one thing I, you know, I, I hope you're getting from this story is that if you're trying to get your act together, when Amazon asks you to verify, you're going to lose a lot of time. And if you're suspended while they're asking for verification, you could be out for weeks. And so I really try to tell people, if you're already established, just know that you're going to be asked to reestablish yourself every few years. Um, and I think it's like every two to three in the UK. Um, and it's going to be probably the same here. They've just started literally this spring. They just started uh, um, verifying established accounts. So um, that, and, you know, that's why get your act together now. Have your processes together now. So when Amazon says, I need a bank statement, you know, you have a bank statement. It has transactions on it, and it's not a bank account you just opened yesterday uh, because they don't accept those, by the way, um, and things like that. So a lot about, so even from the beginning, because here's the other thing. So you say, oh, well, I've, I've been selling on the U.S. for five years. You know, I've been doing this a long time. So, but now you think, I'm going to go and sell in Germany right? Or I'm going to go sell overseas. You have to get verified. And, um, and by the way, their verification is tougher in Europe than it is here. So um, verification is something that every seller has to think about right now and, and get prepared for because you want to have everything ready when Amazon comes calling. Sometimes they suspend you while you get your documents together and sometimes they don't. And I, the only thing I can tell that's the difference between those who are suspended and those who aren't, I mean, obviously the, the brand new accounts are always suspended. You can't sell until you verify. But I mean like the established sellers. I think the ones who are not suspended are the ones whose accounts are in really good condition with Amazon. They are a top tier seller in some way with Amazon. And so they give them the benefit of the doubt. Because there are other sellers who are not in as good shape. Maybe they've had some issues with Amazon. They've had a lot of ASINs down. You know, maybe they've just had some gains on their record. They're suspended. And they can't get back until they go through verification, which, like I said, could take weeks if you don't have your act together. And even if you do have your act together, it's going to take a few days. And so that's, um, that's one of the things I really encourage people to think about. Um, and, you know, the other thing I like to tell people when they're, they're started selling is, let's take that example, I'm going to go sell in the EU now, um, is you have to understand what the laws are there. I've had so many sellers get in trouble because they take a product that they sell in the U.S. with no problem, and they try to sell it in the EU. And they have issues maybe with the, um, the, the labeling. Maybe they don't have their product box in you know, it doesn't have your know, French and German and Spanish on it, uh, or the ingredients that might be in their amazing shampoo that they sell just fine in the U.S. are forbidden in the in the EU. 
And the EU has a huge list of hundreds of preservatives, additives, dyes, um, all kinds of things that you cannot put in your product that are perfectly fine in the U.S. And so this happens a lot to sellers who don't think ahead. And so if you're going to sell on other markets, you can either make, you know, one product that complies with the strictest marketplace, right, and sell it everywhere, or you can have different versions for different marketplaces. But you have to think about that ahead because if you send something in and then it's, you know, taken down, now it's going to be down until you repackage, reformulate. Re- I mean, that is expensive um, and time-consuming. The other thing that people don't realize uh, about selling overseas is, um, at least in the EU and the UK, um, is mandatory recycling. So if you're selling a category of goods that is required that you provide recycling, so think about electronics, appliances, um, things like that, and there's other things too, where you have to provide recycling. Well, that can take weeks to set up, to months. And so I tell people you should be doing that now. And there's, you know, there's people you can hire in those countries that will get you all set up and they'll act as your agent in that country and all of that. It's just time and money. And so you want to spend that time and money, you know, about six months before you're ready to actually launch your product in that marketplace. And so that's, that's what I tell people. When I see some of the huge mistakes that are made, they are often just made because people aren't aware that they have to comply um, with their local laws and regulations. And while some of them may be Amazon, right? Because Amazon's a pill and they're, they can <laughs> make things up right there. The king, they want it this way. But in a lot of cases, when it's definitely regulatory, um, Amazon's hands are tied. And um, oh, and same thing with the VAT, right? You used to not have to have the VAT until you had sold a certain level of goods in that country. Uh, now you have to have, at least in the UK, you have to have the VAT from day one. And um, and so Her Majesty has been taking down sellers right and left. And sometimes it is really literally taking months to get your VAT number and to get your VAT set up in England so that you can sell. Um, and, um, oh, but another regulatory headache um, is the uh, the pesticide issue, which probably a lot of you have seen in your, you know, possibly with your inventory um, or you've heard chatter in the groups because people are carrying their head around about this. But it seems like everything is a pesticide, no matter how weird it is. <laughs> a pair of socks, t-shirt. Um, I had a guy who makes, um, uh, what is it? It's just a long suit, a draft you know, it's like if you have drafts under your door, oh, you yeah. just put this in to keep the draft out. And, you know, he made the mistake in his listing of saying that it would help also keep bugs out. And so, bing, he's a pesticide. And um, and it's like, no, it's a long sock with sand in it. Um, it's not a pesticide. <laughs> yeah. um, but you can't just say that to Amazon. Now you have to go through the process. And, you know, you take the pesticide test and... And you do things like that. And, and for most people, it's just a minor annoyance unless you're not based in the United States. So um, then you cannot sell pesticides in the United States unless you are a U.S. company. 
this is very problematic for people who are selling antimicrobial socks or, you know, clothing or, you know, electronic gadgets to, I mean, think about it. There's the, um, those that use ultraviolet light to sanitize, you know, your, your glasses, right. Um, or things like that, they're considered a pesticide. So now you, you can't sell it if you're not a U.S. based company and you have to actually be based in the U.S., not just have an office in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so how does, how, so, that's interesting because how does that even work? Right. So I think as a lot of sellers, we kind of, you know, we understand Amazon's its own entity. It's got its own rules, but also it can be very, um, what's the word? Um, just baffling, right? Because we're like, but it's logic. It's logical that this is not a pesticide. So how, how do you find that like helping people and working with people to um, make sense of some of the nonsense, if you like, that sometimes it feels like that from a seller perspective, It, it doesn't feel like it makes sense. So therefore, how do you help people kind of deal with that so that they are, number one, they are prepared, but number two, are able to kind of get their head around and deal with it. One thing that we usually say is, okay, don't put the logic in there. You just have to do what they want you to do. But it's kind of, it would be awesome to hear from your perspective because you're dealing with this all the time. But like, how how can you frame your mind to kind of deal with that? Well, the pesticide issue is a really good example of this. It literally is regulatory. So if you were to go out to the appropriate government agency, and by the way, Amazon will give you the link to that. So if you've gotten a notice, the link is in that notice. And you can go read what a pesticide is. And so there are a lot of crazy things on that list. Right. And again, that you're like, and so if it's on that list, you're a pesticide and there ain't no two, two ways about it. However, if your product is not on that list and it just got caught by the algorithm because of maybe a keyword that you were using or something like that, you can fix that. And um, like my friend who was selling the door draft sock with sand in it, basically, mm-hmm. we were able to reword his listing, uh, take out keywords make absolutely no reference to insects whatsoever and now it says something like you know keeps the breeze from you know breeze out and um and so people have have to assume or guess that that might also include cockroaches and lizards right but that um we were able to get him you know relisted and not as a pesticide but if you're actually on the list like, like I said, the, like Under Armour has this issue with a, a number of their shirts because they build in antimicrobial properties so that when you sweat, it doesn't stink. Um, they actually are a pesticide and they have to comply, which is fine for Under Armour. They can do that, right? Um, but it can be problematic for other private label manufacturers who maybe have been selling just fine for a long time. And now they actually are a pesticide and they have to follow all the regulations around pesticides. And it's not just taking the pesticide test. You, you may have to do some relabeling of your product, uh, reformulation of your product. Um, and, and so that is where it gets to be a real headache for brands is when it means they have to change their product. If it's just changing your listing, you know, that's just annoying. Um, it might be really annoying if you have hundreds of thousands of listings, but it's something <laughs> that can be done, right? And that's what flat files were made for. So that's kind of where um, we have to look at it at a case-by-case basis. 
But when is something regulatory, if it's the FTC, the FDA, the USPTO, the, you know, whatever it is, Amazon is going to take the absolute most conservative approach. Um, so think about that when it comes to ingredients, for example. Um, a lot of times suggestions will be put out, by, say, by the FDA. And it's not, um, it's not a rule. Like, you don't have to comply with it. They might have a suggestion. It doesn't matter. If they've made it, you're stuck in it because Amazon is not going to stray um, anything that's, that comes out, even though it's not actually a regulation. If it comes from the regulatory body, they are, they're going to follow it. And so there's just no way around it. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that because um, this pesticide thing, just see, it felt like it blew up overnight, right? And so what's the trigger point for for amazon and then how can sellers kind of become more aware so for instance uh, you know i used to work in corporate and we used to have um fda um regulations that would come down but you would be told two years in advance and so that you could actually prepare and change your formulations and do all that but i think for us as sellers we're so focused on getting the sale right and so we're not as focused on the regulations we probably don't even know what the regulation where to go to understand those regulations and is it is it true that Amazon just kind of goes, okay, now that's the regulation. I'm going to just total blanket, you know, what would you call it? Get people to comply with this. Is that is that kind of what happens? So how can sellers help get more informed around those things? Or is it just kind of, uh, oh, crap, we better kind of sort this out ASAP? Well, they can do what, like, the big brands do. Like, you can get these daily bull. I mean, Amazon is just getting these daily bulletins. They're free. And, um, and somebody inside the company's job is to snort through them and see, do any of our products on the platform, you know, fail and, um, and then do an automatic takedown. So you can do the same thing, which is you can get those daily bulletins um, and you just have to go to whatever, whatever regulatory body uh, manages your product, um, go and get on the free list and, um, and you can, you know, then uh, have an assistant or someone sort through it and pull out things that are specifically relevant to you. Because, by the way, you're going to just get a lot of stuff that's not that's not in your bailiwick. I mean, I think the USDA does everything from chickens to, I mean, you know, so there's there's all kinds of things that they uh, manage that don't relate to you. But um, you can get on these uh, bulletins for free. There's also... Um, industry newsletters and things like that what you pay for but where they actually will sort it out for you so you only see what matters to you and so it just depends on what you're willing to spend but uh that would be the first thing is i would go and actually look around go out to you know the usda the fda the um ftc um if that's uh you know the body that that matters to you and and, and um look at some of their previous bulletins look at what their focusing on because they tend to they tend to kind of have an agenda for the year so this might be the year that they're focusing on xyz and so um, that can kind of give you a heads up if you look at oh they seem really focused on i don't know lanolin or something like that or lidocaine or there were some you know some kind of ingredients or or maybe uh, and then with supplements you can just, by the way, if you sell supplements, you should absolutely be getting this every day because um, it will affect your life. It just will. There's changes all the time. 
And, um, and so if tomorrow, you know, rose hips are suddenly a forbidden substance in your product and you have supplements or teas or anything with rose hips, then it, it's gone. You, you, you know, Amazon will catch it really quickly. Um, and so, um, those are some ways you can kind of give yourself a heads up, but you can also look and get a feel for the things they are most concerned about. It is not random. Um, they are always focused on safety. And um, anytime you see, and I think about supplements in particular, you see some new fad ingredient, right? Like, I don't know, snoring sheep dung will give you health. I mean, whatever it is, the new fad that everyone's talking about, like acai berries, you can be sure that they're going to be on the list someday um, as being examined. Doesn't mean that they will be removed, but someone's going to start examining the claims that they're making. That would be the advertising FCC side. And then someone's going to be uh, examining the safety side of it. Like, does eating this stuff actually make you sick? Or is it one of those many things that you just sort of pee out of your system? Mm -hmm. So you can just be sure that this is coming. And oh, God help us when marijuana is legal across the country. Um, I, I can't even imagine what a cluster that's going to be. Um, it's already a cluster just dealing with hemp oil and, and things like that. So, um, but that's coming. And so I have clients who are into it. They maybe have their own websites or they have businesses in California or Colorado and, you know, they're already in it and they're waiting until they can bring it to Amazon and they're all excited. I'm like, do not get excited. It's going to be a real pain. Mistakes will be made. And because Amazon launches things, about 80% ready. This is corporate policy from Amazon, uh, bias towards action, right? So they always launch things, not entirely finished. That means that it's going to be a mess for the first six months while the machine learning catches up. Lots of fish are going to be taken down. It's going to be a cluster. And so, um, you know, every time Amazon has a big initiative, I'm like, I say to my team, brace yourselves. <laughs> we were ready with brand registry. Oh my God. And that is still a cluster. Um, and, uh, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, whatever you choose to sell, you, you need to be aware of these things and look into them now before you're in a panic and Amazon has just decided your best selling item. Because it's never some crappy item you don't care about. It never is. Yeah. It's yeah. Always the best yeah. yeah. Um, I like about this because, you know, it, it may sound like a lot of doom and gloom here, but really this is, this is the preparation that you have to have mentally in order to understand that there are these things that can happen. Some of them may be lower risk for certain people, but the other thing is that you prepare for them. And then the, the other good thing here is that you're actually providing that there's a solution for every one of these problems. I mean, with, if you're doing something blatantly illegal or manipulating the system, you're probably going to get suspended and rightly so. But if you've just made accidents or done something, you know, that that was kind of a minor um, incident and Amazon is, is willing to overlook it, you can get reinstated on a lot of these things. So um, I think that's a, yeah. a great way to look at it. And then, you know, from a lot of our listeners, you know, they probably experienced at least one of these things before. And for people that are brand new, they're probably sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this sounds like a major you know, administrative headache at times it can be, but if you're prepared and doing the business the right way, you almost never have to really worry about this. It's like maybe once mm -hmm. a year, you'll have to have like some 
you know, knee jerk reaction to something that Amazon's done. And it's like, I knew it was coming. I haven't done anything wrong, but I just knew there was something that was going to happen. And now I've got to fix it. Um, so, you know, lately you, you've mentioned a lot of these things that have coming out, but is there anything that's kind of like headlining that's either coming up or that's been like right now that, that people should be aware of that, you know, if, if, if you've got listings that are, you know, a couple of years old and you're like, Oh, I don't have to worry about those. Cause they're a couple of years old, but something's changing. Is there anything like that on the uh, horizon? Uh, yeah, it's not exactly on the horizon. It is in the here and now, but, uh, it is an ongoing issue that sellers, um, uh, often make out of complacency. So that's why I was glad to hear you say that because that's the other thing. Amazon is constantly changing the rules and, uh, usually in response to bad actors, um, basically. And so you may be all set up and doing everything right two years ago or a year ago, and the rules have changed. And so I tell people, you know, you should be looking at your listings um, at least once a year, if not more, and putting it up against Amazon style guide, because that may have changed, putting it up against the restrictions for your category, because that has almost certainly changed. Um, and also, it, you know, uh, also keep track of what Amazon's latest rules are about reviews, because that's a way a lot of sellers get in trouble. I'm, I'm meaning to, right? But something that, that was allowed, you know, a few months ago or a year ago is no longer allowed. And so all of a sudden they're taken down for review manipulation and they're like, what, what happened? But those are all really preventable issues if you stay on top of what's happening and you're just regularly doing an audit and, you know, catching it. And the other thing that we see a lot of problems with, um, and this is, uh, this, you have got two forces at play here, which means you have two groups that can take you down and they don't talk to each other, by the way. And so you've got the, the catalog team, which is trying to clean up listings on the platform. And, um, and then you've got seller performance who's dealing with, suspicious and bad actor behavior and like I said they don't talk to each other so there's been huge issues with parent-child relationships and I would say probably a lot of you have done it wrong as uh, because of the latest rules that Amazon has put out there and so again it's that very issue where something you were allowed to do you know, a little while ago, you can no longer do. And so they have really gotten um, very strict about what can be in your title, how to set up your variation, you know, the kind of variation that you're allowed to use for your category. Because here's the other problem I see a lot. Somebody has products in, you know, with variations. And instead of using the correct variations for their category, they're like, oh, you know, I think I want the variations for apparel because they give me more options, right? And so they're using the wrong um, variations and they think, well, you know, uh, Amazon let me upload it. Amazon let me do it. It must be okay. Um, and it's not. And so what the problem today is from a policy perspective, Amazon sees some of these, you know, in an improper parent-child listings and they think you're a bad actor so you're going to get a much more serious takedown right um and uh and that's that's the problem i've had people you know taken down um as a seller code of conduct um and and they were completely innocent they just really had not understood 
how Amazon's parent child works and they had complicated products. And so, you know, we had to spend time and, you know, I would say, look, this has to be a standalone with these two variations underneath it. You can't put this and this, you can't have three or four variations on this one product and, and things like that. And it's complicated even when I do it. And I can't tell you how many flat files I have done in the last year and a half. But even when I do it, I have to sit there and really think about it as I'm doing it. Like, okay, so that was this. And then, so it is not easy. And, and I just hate it when someone gets taken down for a variation abuse, listing abuse, you know, something like that, when I know that just, they thought they were doing the right thing. And, and then they're suspended and you have to fix every listing that they have, all of them, before they will reinstate you. And so, again, uh, like this one company had basically four or 500, you know, products in, you know, under their brand. It took a long time. It actually took a few weeks to get it all fixed. And, of course, they were suspended and they weren't selling the whole time. And they were a high volume seller. Mm. So this is one of well, those preventative things that you can do yeah. to um, avoid the pain. Awesome. I know it's funny. Um, I know you said it down a long time, a few weeks. It feels like a lifetime, doesn't it? Um, and interestingly, when you talked earlier about that period of time where there was a lot of um, bad actor behavior, I was definitely foul, became foul of that. I was selling a massage ball, which is like a, literally for your foot, you know, like a, for uh, plantar fasciitis fasciitis however you say it um mm-hmm. very inconspicuous product but it was the number one seller right and it got taken down for three to four months and I got it back eventually but it I never recovered in terms of the glory days right in terms of all the keywords I was ranked mm-hmm. for and everything and so um do you see that we see Amazon's policies changing a lot do you see that Amazon is kind of trying to catch up with the bad actor behavior and changing policy like that to help, you know, real sellers, if you like, which can catch us out. But um, I think that gives us a bit of um, positivity around it as well, because we're like, well, that's good. At least they're kind of figuring that out. I think a a core thing for me at that time was just find it. I think what the the core problem was we found was there was someone within Amazon that was keeping it, the loop going, right? So there was a kind of, duo thing going on there which is a whole other thing but and obviously mm-hmm. people have been to court for that and stuff recently um how how do you help people kind of figure that out and also get to talk to the right person or at least get to the right department is do you find that most most cases that you get that's kind of easy to do or easy when they come and talk to someone like you because I think that's a that's an area where a lot of us struggle is we don't even know where to send it and if it, if it's going to start in that loop if, if you know what I mean right well and here's the thing I mean I live this right this is what we do seven days a week and um and even so Amazon takes us by surprise you know uh, from time to time or they have a suddenly a new suspension and we're like oh what fresh hell is this right <laughs> um and that happens usually about every uh every other month or so so the fact is, it is not easy, and I think it's, um, you know, really a shame that Amazon expects sellers to be able to keep up with all of this stuff, honestly, because it is so much. But, you know, some of the, but that is some of the advantages 
that we have is that we do live it. We do see it. We're dealing with hundreds of sellers a month who are having problems. And that helps us figure out things faster and, um, and you know, who to talk to. Uh, and, and so um, a lot of times, um, you know, we're very good at just fixing it with an appeal, right, or something like that. But if it's not going to work that way or, or if it's seller support or there are some other things that we can try and, uh, you know, and try to do within, within the narrow rules and guidelines that Amazon gives us. But um, again, it just takes a lot of time. Like I have um, one client we've been working with now for a few weeks. They're enormously frustrated and I don't blame them. Um, And um, it took us five hours, me and my team, five hours to finally get to somebody inside Amazon who could actually help us. And um, because, you know, you start off at the lower level. Well, they don't want to escalate it. They don't want to do this. They don't, and so you have to just be persistent and, you know, kind of know what to say. And, you know, and, and then even when you get to the U.S. captive team, they don't always, they aren't always that helpful. Um, and so you have to call back to do it again. And, and so this is sometimes, you know, I like to, I wish I could tell people there was an easy button and, and I discovered it, right? come to me. I'll press my easy button. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not that. Um, it doesn't always work that way because Amazon is not easy. But what we try to do is we try to help our, our sellers understand what is going on, which helps a lot because a lot of times they have no idea why it's going to take a while if it's going to take a while and, um, and, and why we're doing things the way that we're doing them. Mm-hmm. And so that helps. I mean, anybody who comes to us is usually very upset at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Understandably so. And so, um, you know, we're dealing with very stressed out people. And if it's a simple reinstatement, you know, we can usually get them back in a day or two, right? um, We know how to do those. We can do them fast. Um, But if there's something really complicated about their case, if they got caught up in a loop like you did um, and things like that, and then it's, just brutal Hmm. honestly it's just brutal and um and it it does you know i do understand why sellers want to click the easy button and why they might go to a provider who is doing things the wrong way um i totally get it because you know if you're losing thousands of dollars a day on the platform the last thing you want to hear from someone like me is okay i think it's going to take a week um you know don't lose your mind and, um, and I really blame Amazon for this. This is one of the things I talk about in my book is what Amazon's culpability, what have they done to contribute to some of this problem? And some of the problem is that the reason that they, it continues is because of neglect on Amazon's part and because they refuse to talk to their sellers. Hmm. If they would just listen to their sellers, um, they would really find out some stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Things could be better. And I will say... To be fair to Amazon, since they started selling in 2010, they have made improvements, a lot of them. But the problem is the issues and problems are way more complicated than they ever were back in 2010. And so it's just a constant game. You know, on Amazon's part, it's a game of whack-a-mole, trying to take out the bad actors and and to create processes to help detect them. And uh, on our part as sellers, it's just, um, you know, constant running. I, I think about the 
um, that scene in Alice in Wonderland where she's running, I think, with the Red Queen. Mm-hmm. And they're like running as fast as they can, but they're not getting anywhere. And Alice notes this. They're not getting anywhere. And um, the Red Queen's like, oh, well, you have to run twice as fast as this if you want to get anywhere. And I think that that's the lesson for sellers to learn is you have to be very flexible. You have to be prepared for change. You have to know that it's coming and be as proactive as you can. Because I do have clients who are incredibly on top of things, very proactive, very organized. And you know what? I hardly ever have problems with Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um, and they have their perceived by Amazon to be one of their top sellers. And I'm not talking about volume. I just mean they're like the gold standard of seller relationships with Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but they work on it. You know, they have VAs and, and people like that whose entire job is to make sure their account stays clean. And they're not interested in breaking the rules. So they don't get seduced by the the latest fad. That's, that's another thing I would tell new sellers. When you first start selling, you are going to see all kinds of things targeted towards you. All kinds of services, software, you know, I don't know, browser add-ins, um, all kinds of stuff. And some of it is great and genuinely helpful. But some of it is going to really get you in trouble. And because they will say to you, because nobody says, hey, we're not compliant, take your chances, right? They're going to say, oh, yeah, you know, we're compliant and, you know, this is okay with Amazon. And they're lying. So that's one thing I tell people is to, uh, and this is part of why I wrote the Sites and Prevention and why I'm writing Dirty Selling Tricks, is if I tell people, you know, how Amazon thinks, uh, when you see the new thing that all your friends are talking about, like, oh, my God, you know, I got 10 reviews in a day on this product, or whatever it is, whatever it is, you, you run it through that filter and you will know like this doesn't pass the smell test so I'm not interested and and that's important because you can get in trouble using somebody else's you know software process methodology whatever it is you are responsible in Amazon's world and so you have to be you know compliant and understand the spirit of what Amazon's trying to accomplish not just the the words and I'll give you a, a good example of this. When um, uh, sellers came out with the idea of warranties, no, wait, this wasn't a warranty. It's a rebate. Mm-hmm. And, I, and by the way, I'm not saying anything about any of the rebate companies because I have not looked at their products. <laughs> and I just want to make that disclaimer so they, they won't call me um, <laughs> and threaten me. But basically, the concept is you buy my product, I give you a rebate. And uh, this is a time-honored thing that is done in normal brick-and-mortar stores all the time, right? Show me your receipt. I'll give you $5, you know, whatever it is. But most of these programs are not doing rebates the same way. And it looks a lot like a bribe. And it looks a lot like an incentive to leave a positive review. And to be quite fair, uh, many sellers are, in fact, doing exactly that with that. How do I know that? I call them clients, okay? So they got caught, and they're in trouble. So, uh, and that's the thing. Well, there's there's nothing in Amazon's rules that say you can't run a rebate program because, in fact, you can run a rebate program. But a rebate program is supposed to be driving sales. It's not supposed to be incentivizing reviews. 
And when they see people kind of, you know, going around the system, they will follow up and catch you. And it's just a matter of time. But for some of the sellers that I work with, they saw the rebate phrase, you know, and they're like, that didn't smell right to me. I could just see that being a problem. So I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And they're glad because, you know, some sellers are really in trouble right now because they, mm. they did it. Yeah. From what you're saying, it, for a lot of sellers, we see it a lot. And you've probably, you, you said you've listened to our podcast, you know, around, there's always going to be new, some new trick, right. That could be out there to trick. Um, and that's why it's called a trick to uh, trick Amazon's algorithm so that you can get up the rankings faster. And it might work for a very short period of time in terms of getting that dopamine hit, right? I hit page one, my, you know, my share, my um, screenshots going up. But the problem is, like you said, it's the, it's what happens on the back end of that, that then can hit you in the future. And I think it's, it's, it's great that you're saying that it's probably one of the most common things I think you probably see. Um, Any new thing that's there to kind of get around how you should actually, you know, get up the rankings, which is real sales from real people that want to buy your product. And then if they love it, they'll give you a review, right? Or if they hate it, they'll give you a review, mm-hmm. but at least you know, right? Um, that's right. the way to make, you know, if you make the great product that somebody actually really wants to buy and that they love mm-hmm. your brand versus everyone else, you're going to be successful on Amazon eventually. It might not be that you get ranked on day one, but you will eventually get ranked because people love it, right? So I think it's a great point that you make there because I know we get a lot of people coming to us and saying, but you don't do any of these ranking tricks or you don't do any of this. And we're like, no, <laughs> because right. it works, you That's know, right. for businesses for years and years and years, it's going to work on Amazon. You just have to sell more than everybody else. That's how it, That's how it works. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's great when like all these quote unquote experts out there promote these things because I'm like, I can't wait until you get shut down and then have to tell everybody that you were wrong. They probably won't, obviously, but I can't wait for those guys to get shut down. I just get upset when they're actually telling a bunch of other people who are unsuspecting to do it, and then they get caught up in that whole crap, too. And that's that's what's really frustrating about mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, and that's why I just tell people just to really approach the, the, the latest, newest, hottest thing with, with caution. Not that it's, but there's anything wrong with it, but you just have to be aware that so many of these things that come out are violating some kind of policy at Amazon and um, and you just don't want to be caught up in that but you know in in light of what you know you guys you know talk about which is set yourself up as a real business um, one of the best ways to drive sales they tell people this that is totally legit right doesn't revolve around fake reviews or paying people or tricking people or any of that is um, is to simply build up your fan base off the platform. And now, by the way, you can do it on the platform too. And I'll mention that in a second, but, but off the platform, I mean, do what an old fashioned business would do, which is build your own client base and get your raving fans, have a Facebook group, have, you know, and, and, you know, you can give them coupons and things, uh, just make sure they're not crazy 99% off coupons. Right. But, you know, if it's 20, 25% off, you know, for your most loyal customers or, you know, and things like that. But if you're actually building up your own list, your own database, your own raving fans, and then, you know, directing them to buy your product on Amazon, um, you know, 
it will happen. Your sales will grow. That virtuous cycle will happen. And you'll have what everybody wants, which is your own clients, right? That's always a problem that there are Amazon buyers, right? But you can actually build your own buyer base that nobody wants to do it because it takes time and it takes effort. But the fact is for the companies that do it, um, they can have a very successful business on Amazon. And I, I use the example of Deathwish Coffee a lot because people are, are familiar with them. But that's exactly how they did it. They built a whole raving fan base on social media and then said, you can buy our product on Amazon. And their sales went through the roof. They do better sales on most days than Maxwell House or some of the biggest brands in the world on Amazon. Um, and they're number one and they stay number one. And so I, but they put in the effort, they spent years building up, you know, that fan base of, of people who just, you know, live and die for their coffee. Right. And so uh, I always tell people, if you're not working off platform to build your brand and your business, then you're not serious. Because if you're ultimately thinking my brand is going to sell in every country on earth, right. I'm going to be a major brand one day. Well, you better start early. And uh, one way you do that is to build your own audience, honestly, um, and, and you don't ask them to post positive reviews for you. If they love your product, they're going to be writing reviews, but you don't want, you know, to be bribing them to do it. Um, you want them to buy your product. That's what you ultimately want. That's why people do, do all these reviews and crap is they want people to buy the product. <laughs> so sell the product. And the rest will follow. Um, awesome. And uh, I just yeah. I wanted I just wanted to ask you a question as well because um, you know we talked a lot about obviously the issues that you see all the time um, sellers coming to you. Obviously that's just one person in their day, right? They're they're having a bad day, but then you get a hundred of them coming to you. Um, how do you cope with that? Like I think I would just want to like punch someone in the face <laughs> because of. All that kind of, you get, you're absorbing all that energy, right? So how do you, personally, how do you deal with that? How do you kind of, do you do meditation or something? Or do you just kind of go, I'm helping someone? Or do you sit in Star Trek? You know, how, how do you kind of get over that stuff? Um, uh, actually, I do meditate sometimes, but it's not usually because of my clients. Um, it's usually because of other things in my life uh, that I need to calm down. Um, you know, long ago, we learned as a team not to take in our clients' distress. Like we sympathize with them and we care a lot, but we know that the best way to show that we care is to get them fixed, to get yeah. that problem resolved. And so, oh, sure. You know, we've had clients cry. We've had clients yell. We've had clients, you know, just really freak out. And we listen to them because no one at Amazon is going to listen to them. And usually that is all that's needed for them to just calm down because they're frustrated because Amazon won't even listen to them. They're suffering. They can't resolve this problem. And, you know, now they're talking to somebody who can. And so it makes them feel better. So, you know, a lot of times after a call with us, you know, right even at the beginning, their, their temperature goes down um, and they're like, okay, let's get this done. You know, let's, let's work. Right. Let's get it done. And, um, and so um, we don't, we don't take that in personally most of the time. Are there days? Yes. 
And, um, and so we, as a company, you know, we do talk about, you know, um, strategies for, you know, being able to be sympathetic, empathetic without actually taking it in yourself. And, um, and we, and then sometimes we're like, you know what, let someone else take that call. You need to go take a break. And, and, and so we work together because yeah, we are dealing with people who are very upset all the time. Um, and, um, but like I said, most of it's not personal. A lot of times they're raging against Amazon. They're not saying, you know, e-growth, you guys are, you know, it's this is all your fault. And, and what do you mean? You can't get it done by tomorrow, you know, or, you know, we just, it's not personal. It's, it's just frustration, um, yeah. because of how Amazon does things. And that is one of my biggest complaints against Amazon is if they would just listen to their sellers. If they would just be a little more helpful, I, I've told my team the biggest competitive um, threat to our company is a kinder, gentler Amazon. Um, right? Then Somebody they, who knows they what they're giving at Amazon support. will put you out of business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is why we've diversified as well, uh, because I do think that one day it will happen that Amazon will sufficiently work with its sellers that. They won't need us except for the the most extreme things, the hardest, most complicated things, um, which is fine. We like complexity, but um, that's that's how I see it going too. And you know, when I first wrote suspension prevention, there were members of my company who were like, "I don't think we should. I don't know if we should write all this stuff up and tell people what we do because then they won't need us." And I said, "Don't worry about it. They're still going to need us." And um, that was absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, giving people information and them doing it themselves are two different things, right? I mean, we have a podcast. I guarantee that just because we have a podcast that could glean all the information they want from the podcast doesn't mean that they're easily going to be able to go out there and start their own successful Amazon business. We want that. And that's why we provide the information, but it's really just that get started, understand the overall framework. Let's, let's make you ready for this. And then if you really want to work mm-hmm. with somebody to build it right, that's what we're here for. And that's what you're there for as well. So, you know, it's, it's been awesome talking with you, Cynthia. I mean, there's, I don't even know like what, like an hour's flying, fly, flown by already. So um, I think there's a lot of other things we could be talking here all day. And obviously, you know, um, people will have more and more and more um, topics that they'd like to cover. Um, so maybe we'll have you on again in the, in the future. Um, this, this could be an annual thing, you know, cause it's going to be happening all the I time. I think at this rate, it should be at least quarterly, right? Yeah. <laughs> to, to give people an update on what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and we'll, we'll, well, we'll and add I, a link to you know, I'm happy partners. to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll add a link to eGrowth Partners to your new book as well in the show notes. Um, we'll also have like contact information. People can reach out to you as well. Um, we obviously want to thank you very much for your time, for all the great insights and strategies on how to keep in the good graces of Amazon so you don't have to worry about being suspended. And if you are suspended, what you can actually do about it. And guys, if you like what you heard today, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share our podcast with friends who might get value out of it as well. And also to get some absolutely free training on what it takes to have a successful business to fuel your lifestyle, head to www.goteamreal.com to download our free training today. We'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.